browser internet, and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show somewhere in the world uh, where everything is not made up and there are no points. Good evening, Al. Hello, Mr. Modlin. How's it going, bro? All right, and you, buddy? Yeah, pumped, man. I've spent the whole day talking to people about Power Apps and Flow, and I'm all energized. Did you see the tag... You, the tag that I tagged you in or the video that I tagged you in. Where did on you Facebook, do this? On Facebook. Then no, probably not. You need to go see that because everyone agrees with me. So please go head over to Facebook and check your notifications. Okay, I'll go have a look. It's something atrocious, isn't it? No, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's what people told me about other things on the internet, and they turned out to be <laughs> exactly that bad. Um, so, in this week's episode of Two Guys in SharePoint, we have another interview. I suppose we shouldn't say that we have another interview because we're back to regular programming, right? Yes, we're always supposed to have an interview. Right. So, I finally, 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 I remember speaking um, to our, our interviewee about a year ago, and um, I was out of the country, and I was actually supposed to do a recording there, and repeatedly after that, and we just never, well, she has been on our show before, but only in a live stream at last year's Ignite, the one where Skype broke and they couldn't bring you in. Yeah. So, so this week we've got none other than the formidable Heather Newman. Awesome. Let's go to that now. And on this week's show of Two Guys in SharePoint, I think we she's she's cameoed a few times before and we've mentioned her name quite a few times and she was actually on a live broadcast from Ignite for the Two Guys in SharePoint uh, podcast show. Uh, none other than uh, Heather Newman. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello, Alistair. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I think people already know who you are. Well, people that don't listen to our podcast that actually consume <laughs> our videos. But uh, for the listeners out there, uh, just name, surname, designation, a star sign, um, <laughs> what your favorite color is, and what you actually do. Okay. Um, my, <laughs> my name is Heather Newman. Um, my designation, uh, SharePoint person i guess well, hold on, uh, i want to stop you there because SharePoint, <laughs> and i actually had this conversation today with people at yeah. the about um, um type costing right oh so, so uh -huh. you say sharepoint which is great yeah. mm -hmm. but then you do sessions at at espc and all these other conferences on planner sure um i think it's because I, sharepoint's where i got my start I'm a, you know, I've been working on it since 2001. And so it's a little hard coded in me um, that you bleed SharePoint. Um, I also love Office 365. I just moved the Teams app to the front page of my iPhone yesterday, which is a big deal, right? So yes, I, I love it all, but I, my, my roots are in SharePoint. So I think that's why I, I lead with that for sure. So in the tech world anyway, yeah. And uh, I'm a cancer, and my favorite color is purple. So okay. just I, I, I thought glitter didn't have a color. Well, I know. My favorite color is rainbow, right? Or glitter, for sure. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. So I know your history. I, I don't think our, our listeners know your history. And uh, last week we had Liz Sundet on. We started talking about playing in a band and being a mm -hmm. rock 
and and doing a master's or MBA in something. So fairly close right. background. And I know that you have a, a similar background. So yeah. how did you get into to SharePoint, I suppose? I mean, let's start there. I know I, I've coined your phrase. I've used it a few times. I should actually pay you royalties for it. From Tahoe to today. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes. So, I, actually, I, I own that URL, by the way, as well. <laughs> Nobody's paid me for it yet, which is a bummer. But um, yeah, so I, I am very similar to Liz in that uh, I have an arts background. So I was a theater major at the University of Washington in Seattle uh, back in the day. And um, I had moved around a little bit, lived in D Dallas for a while and came back to Seattle in the late uh, 90s and uh, was I had a theater company, actually. That's where I started marketing, um, doing arts marketing for- Hold on, you, you had, yep. you had mm -hmm. a theater company, as in- Yes, What yes. was the name? Well, I don't know this part. It's oh, you don't know this part. Yeah, it was called Grex, G-R-E-X. Grex is um, a Roman word that means a flock of actors. You know how you have a flock <laughs> of sheep? <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Grex actually, well, and actors back in the day, um, you know, were seen as kind of, the lowest of the low and so it would be oh there's a grex of actors over there and so we like that word and yeah we produced a few seasons in the seattle theater scene and i was doing that at the same time um i was working in um i was i worked at a semiconductor company data io over on willows road and then i also worked at um, a digital film uh house machine shop um, in the international district of seattle you know, a lot of people who are in theater uh, or in the arts, they they'll be become waiters, uh, you know, or hosts, you know, in the server industry. And I just that was not my thing. And so I always worked in offices and I've always been kind of a gadget head and, you know, tech head in that way. And same thing in college. I ran our dorm, you know, RA office. And, you know, I ended up bringing a PC. I worked for Universal Film in Dallas where I brought the first PC in after I begged them to bring that in in like 1993. So um, I'd always kind of worked in offices and around engineers and stuff. And, um, and uh, during the first dot-com bust way back, I got laid off and I sent a note out to all my friends and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for work. I've been doing arts marketing. Anybody have anything? And a friend of mine that I went to theater school with, Andy Jensen, sent me a note and his wife, Nancy McSherry Jensen was uh, a group product manager, which I didn't really know what that was. And he was like, you should talk to her because you're a good writer and you do marketing and for the arts and it's great. And you're blah, blah, blah. And I said, great. So I went and talked to her and um, she was working on this startup inside of Microsoft that was codenamed Tahoe. And so she was working on SharePoint and that was 2001. And so I got brought on um, through a theater connection to produce the first 120 case studies ever produced on SharePoint. And, uh, and it was SharePoint Team Services, SharePoint Portal Server, all of that back then. And then one job with Nancy kind of led to another. It was, do you want to start the SharePoint partner ecosystem? I was like, sure, I don't know what that is, but I'd be happy to do it. So a lot of this was me saying yes and not knowing what I was doing at all, <laughs> you know? Um, but the thing is, is that funnily enough, I was a theater producer, right? So to me, I just look at everything like I'm producing a play. 
Um, you always have a script. You always have somebody with the money that's the producer. There's always a director, your players, your speakers, or your actors, you know, and I was running shows at, you know, budgets of 2,500 bucks a piece. Well, I had a few more dollars with Microsoft. So it was, you know, every time something came around, I just said yes. And so I feel like, you know, I, I thank Microsoft and Nancy and SharePoint for giving me a beautiful education in technology and business. Um, I don't have a business degree. I don't have an MBA. Um, but I, you know, maybe I have yeah, a Microsoft BA, <laughs> you know, so, um, so yeah, so it was saying yes to things. And, and then I got into, um, we were doing a small event. It was with, uh, Mike Fitzmorris um, and Joel Fraunheim. And I was calling up the first 60 partners um, that were gonna be SharePoint partners. We didn't have an ecosystem back then. So he handed me a list and he said, call these people and ask them if they wanna be a partner and tell them we'll give them a lot of stuff. And I said, okay. So I did that and we actually called everybody um, and followed up an email. But you know, the first person on the list was Avpoint for A, you know, so they were one of the first partners that I onboarded. So that's also how I know so many people in the community is that I literally asked them to be a partner um, for SharePoint for the first time. Um, and then we ended up, we were like, well, we should do an event. And so we did a web part smackdown. Um, and that was run like a round robin wrestling tournament. And that was like 300 people in, on campus at the um, conference center. And that led to us going, God, you know, like, I was like, we should do another event. That was awesome. And so we all started talking and there was about eight of us on the SharePoint marketing team uh, back in the day, including Nancy. And, um, and so we basically, and Jeff Teeper, who is still, you know, who's now the, the corporate vice president back that he was, you know, head of engineering back then and Kurt Delbeni as well. And so they were amazing because they always said yes. And I always had these crazy theater person ideas, you know, and like, let's all wear kilts and run on stage like Scottish warriors. And Kurt was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'll be barefoot and give the keynote that way. And, you know, let's let's do, you know, shrink wrap Ferrari cars and let's, let's bring hydroplane boats on campus. And let's do, and they, you know, we were a startup. We were trying to build a brand and make a splash. They always said yes, um, which was amazing. Not always, but most of the time. And then, and then I got into the event production piece of it, and that's when we started the SharePoint conference. That was kind of a list of five things I was going to do for the year. Um, and you know, it was like, oh, we're going to build a partner book, and we're going to do this, and we'll just throw an event, blah blah blah. And the thing was, that we were like, I was like, can we? Do you think Mr. Gates would do it? And they were like, oh, I don't know. And we're like, let's ask him. And he said yes. And and so you know, like, it just kind of went from there it was like that's you know and then SharePoint all of a sudden was you know the fastest growing server product and and more you know what I mean and more and more people and more and more stuff and um and then for 10 years I ran around the world with a group of wonderful women that worked for me um with my company Creative Maven which I've had for 12 years and that's my marketing consulting and and at the time it was really an event production company because we did you know, all the big names now of Inspire and Ready and, you know, Envision, it was, you know, it was TechEd and it was WPC and it was um, IT Forum and MEC and, you know, all those acronyms that we don't use anymore. But, you know, 10 years I did sort of 10 tours of duty, you know, eight shows a year with the flagships and then another 15 to 20 smaller events. Like I remember when um, SP TechCon started, you know, I, I like all these things like, I 
been at the beginning of just, I mean, it's been about 17, 18 years, which I'm like, I can't believe it. So, so yeah, that's, I've, I've been a blue badge Microsoft person. I've been a partner cause I ran uh, marketing at Alfpoint for three years as their global SVP. Yeah, let's, let's not talk about yeah. that when you didn't sponsor one of my SharePoint Saturdays. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> That's when Garth was there as well. And I said to God, dude, sponsor. And uh, whoever, Heather said no. And at the time, I didn't know who you are. But I knew from that day that I would consciously dislike you if I ever uh, oh. found out where you were. Because yeah, you, you didn't sponsor SharePoint Saturdays. Have we still not made up? Come on. No, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Good. But yeah, that's kind of how I rocked and rolled into um, what I do today. So I, so just to, you know, I have a marketing consultancy, as you know, Creative Maven, um, where I work with companies on their strategic marketing and personal brand with individuals. And then I also have a software business, Content Panda where I'm chief marketing officer and um, we do in context help support and training for Office 365, SharePoint Online and the whole, you know, cloud and on-premises suites of products. So yeah, that's how I keep myself busy. So just on that, um, Content Panda, um, that's the contextual help stuff, right? Correct. It literally lives inside of the product and Mm -hmm. it's called Panda for a reason, find the panda. uh-huh. And it's yeah. not like where's Wally because you can never find him. You can always find him. <laughs> so, so, so contextual help. Um, are there any other products out there that do similar things from a contextual help perspective? Uh, sure. Yes. I'm not going to name them, of course, but yes, there are. <laughs> yeah, there are. There, I, I mean, there's. I've, a few. I've never looked. You know. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few, a few players. Um, but there's a big enough pie, I think, that, you know, we all have the customers that we support um, in the ecosystem. Um, yeah, I think, you know, adoption of software is still, you know, something that's a big bane of people's existence. You know, they'll buy licenses and buy seats and things will sit, you know, or, um, you know, because Office 365 is changing at the speed of light these days, you know, things move around. And I think, you know, thinking of a typical person, you know, in an office, you know, me, even me as a, you know, a CMO wanting, you know, to onboard somebody and, you know, people are on their resumes, they're like, they'll put SharePoint. And I used to actually turn my computer around and say, you, you know, SharePoint, right? And they're like, yeah. So I'd turn my computer around. And I'd be like, create a document library because you know, people lie on their resumes, you know, so, um, and that's just one small piece that you would need to know to work in SharePoint every day as a knowledge worker, right? So I feel like having um, people waste time by going out to a search engine, trying to find what they need, even though, you know, I learn on YouTube all the time. YouTube is the best thing since sliced bread. I go out there and if I don't know something, I'll go check it out. But, you know, trying to search and find something that's relative, that is up to date, all of that. Um, so Content Panda really wipes away sort of all of the guesswork and really puts it right, the, the help and context right inside the product, the inside the UI, right next to that target that you're looking at going, I can't remember how to do that. And that's part of it. It's, it's when I can't remember when something's changed 
And frankly, people don't like to feel stupid. They don't like to ask questions. They don't like to go back to the IT person again and go, I'm sorry, I asked you this 15 times, but I can't remember how to do this. Will you help me? And they put in a support ticket and the support ticket goes in and the IT person's like, for goodness sakes, Heather, can you like get it? So you're alleviating sort of that sort of churn back and forth. You're taking out support tickets on the simple, how do I XYZ questions that people have all the time. Um, because when you go to training, I, I think training is super important. And I think that, you know, there is a life cycle of training of that. It is good to have in-person training. It's good to have on-demand training. And we do that in the product. It's not just a quick tip. You know, people are like, is that clippy? And I'm like, yeah, not quite clippy, but um, it's way more powerful than, than clippy ever was um, and way less annoying. Um, but we put a whole learning management system inside of the contextual help in Panda. So you can learn kind of any way you want. If you want to hear it, if you want to listen to it, if you want to go through it with an instructor, we put all that stuff behind the power of having a little panda sitting there. And, um, you know, people ask us, can you change the panda, you know, the logo? And we, do, we say, yes, of course, you can change it to whatever you want. But most of the time what happens is that they'll change it to a question mark or something else. And then people just, it, they don't remember it's there. So they often change it back to the panda because the panda, it's like, all you got to do is click the panda. And so it's one of those kind of kitschy marketing things that has worked for us. So, yeah. so speaking about pandas, um, yeah. <laughs> pandas lifespan and, and you've been around for the lifespan of, of SharePoint and from an evolution uh -huh. perspective, I mean, you must've been there in the beginning where a lot mm -hmm. of the ideation started. Yep. You've seen it grow into SharePoint Online and SharePoint 2019 coming later this year. Is, mm -hmm. is it a huge departure from the original thought process behind SharePoint or has it just matured? Uh, back in, in, in 2009, just before they released uh, 2010, um, I called SharePoint an unruly teen teenager, you know? Mm -hmm. Feature sets weren't 100% weren't in yet or mature enough to go up against an open text or a, or a document or one of those things. So, so mm -hmm. how do you feel about watching SharePoint grow into the version that it is right now? Um, I feel like the at the core of it, um, it's, you know, I remember all of this stuff of um, the death of the file share, right? Um, because people love their C <laughs> yeah, and people love their C drives, you know, and so I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it, that SharePoint is still one of the best places to deal with, to store, to keep, to search on for documents, you know, and, 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 and anything that sort of is a I'll air quote document, right? Um, and so for document management and for collaboration, the fact that, you know, you can ideate and and be in a document all at the same time that you can workflow a document that you need out you know just putting my marketing brain on of like you know all the people that has to deal with one piece of you know one document i won't even say one piece of paper anymore but one document i think that you know uh, there's been a lot of any company sort of, you know, it's now unified communication and collaboration and now it's collaboration and communication. Like the words have changed of what people call stuff because you always have somebody new coming in and they change the overarching, you know, um, words about something. And now we're in digital transformation land. But at the end of the day, we're all still dealing with trying to find stuff 
um, trying to work on stuff, trying to put things in the right place. Um, and so I think over the years, it's gotten better and better and better at that. Um, but I also think that yeah, I mean, I remember inside inside of Microsoft, and I feel like this is happening with Teams a little bit right now, is that, again, we're at the wild, wild west with something that is like this new, cool product that, you know, we're, that it's almost an over, it's almost, just, it's, just, it's an overlay, if you will, um, of collaboration on top with, you know, you still have your stuff in SharePoint underneath Teams, but Teams is giving you a different way to kind of slice and dice and talk to each other about it. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't have governance, if you're not looking at metadata and content types and all that kind of thing and putting some of that stuff underneath it and telling people how to use it, you will have the viral sprawl of, you know, too many channels or, you know, where is that stuff or what's the versioning like, all of that. So I think, and that's the thing that I, that, you know, a lot of ISVs and a lot of consultants have really helped with that. You know, I think Microsoft makes great software. Sometimes it doesn't always make great sort of, this is how you do it kind of stuff, you know? Um, I think it's better over time. There's things like the Fast Track program and other programs that they've put out. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's still the best place to collaborate. I mean, nothing on an enterprise level, especially when you're talking about, you know, the deep, deep sort of um, records management and all of that stuff. I mean, SharePoint's still a big player in that market, so. Speaking about things changing, right? Yes. You also, um, for those who don't know, um, uh, Heather is part of some board on, on AIM. Ah, uh, uh-huh, yep, I am. Did they, I have to. Did they change the, the abbreviation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I have been a board member for the last four years. Um, I'm actually in San Antonio, Texas right now, I'm about to go to the AIM conference after I get off of this call with you. Um, yeah, and so the, there has been a change to the acronym. Uh, I think it's actually, I don't know if they've launched it yet or if it's coming out at the conference. It's on the site. They've changed the verb. Oh, is it? Okay. It's well, I... Image something, eh? Association of Indus Image, Im Industry Image. Yes. Yeah, Association for Information and Image Management. Yeah. What so. was, is that what it's now or what it was before? I'm like, I'm trying to see. Uh, oh, they're, oh, they're now saying your digital transformation begins with intelligent information management. Yeah. So... I, I am, so, yes. So the reason why I want to talk about AIM is because between yeah. AIM, Gartner, and Microsoft, they've, mm -hmm. they've buried ECM. ECM no longer exists. Correct. We are not yeah. talking content services. So on the back of what you were saying about terms changing, digital workplace, digital workspace, yep. two different things um, interchange the terms because there's no standardization like HTML. So... Mm. In closing, before we get you to tell everyone where to find you on the interwebs and the Twitter Rotties, um, mm -hmm. things. One, what's your take on Microsoft's approach to content services and retiring ECM? Um, I think that's, well, <laughs> uh, you know how I was speaking to where you change the names of things, but it still stays the same, <laughs> I guess. Um, 
I, I, that's for me, I, I'm kind of watching and waiting to see if there is an actual change or if it is just a rip and replace of the, the Uber overarching title. Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, enterprise content management, I mean, it's, that is what it was or what it is in a way, you know? So I think that if you're going to change the name, fine, but what is it, what is the real change to what you're actually doing? Right. Um, to me, that's going to be the proof in the pudding. And is it just that there's more automation? Is it more protection and privacy, more insights? Um, and that's what I'm looking for is like the actual sort of words around that. And I think I'm excited actually to be here at AIM to hear about some of that this week. Cause I know that that's going to be in some of the keynotes of um, what that, you know, digital transformation, like what it means to, to start with intelligent information management and all the things that are underneath that. So I'm kind of excited to learn what, what AIM is going to come out to say about that. That's going to match what Microsoft has just come out. So I don't, I honestly, I don't know yet. Um, catch they're me in a month. They're going to take that, um, ECM 101 post and they're going to put Microsoft words in it and then they just publish <laughs> that is Cause that's what they've done. I mean, shit, man. We just call it content services now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, there's an evolution of, of, you know, words and thinking and, you know, the, the paper capture business is still there for certain industries, but that's changed. And that, I mean, I think that really drove the ECM business for a long time. Right. So, right. So it was dealing with, you know, getting people to become digital so that they could actually transform um and and still i think you know in talking to a couple of different um businesses recently about how they you know so much software is super transactional right it's 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 transactions but then the piece that's missing or the piece that gives bloat to certain industries or takes time away or you know really stresses people out in just doing their jobs is that one little thing is off right and so you have to have a human and, and, you know, at one, at some point there may be AI and, you know, bots and robots and all of that machine learning to deal with this. But, you know, the, the businesses that are able to um, take a transactional piece of business, but also put sort of action on top of it, meaning that you can say, you know, I, I can group these five things together and deal with them instead of going, well, is this as a one-off, Right. So you save time and energy and money and in, in looking at different kinds of document sets and that kind of thing. So I feel like that to me, that sort of taking the transactional and making it actional, actionable, um, and then truly making it so that, you know, it's machine learned. Like that to me is the transformation that we're in the middle of right now. And there's the race to do that, I think, with a lot of businesses. So... Um, and, and that it's not eliminating jobs necessarily, it's eliminating, you know, time and money spent on certain things so that the people that you have doing those pieces of the business, they can be trained more and do other things and become a larger part of a business. So I think to me, it's like, how do we relate the transactional with the human? Um, that to me is transformation and really interesting. So, so for all the women out there, because I know you've, you're strong, uh, you're the custodian, custodian uh, <laughs> in IT. 
Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Messaging quite quite a bit. So for yeah. for the women out there listening, and I don't know how many female listeners we have. I should actually ask. But mm-hmm. women wanting to get into IT, we, we know that um, it's not necessarily. Strangely enough, I'm speaking to to Liz. I think from her side, it was always well. I've just accepted that I am part of. There was no split, and there's male. I'm a female. There's no. Right. There's no. But we know that 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 women across the planet struggle um, with getting into IT, um, with being seen as equals to to their male counterparts. And I know you drive quite quite a lot of the engagement from a women in IT perspective. So for women out there who want to get into IT, I mean, IT is no longer um, back when people were still writing in COBOL. Um, right. I'm really the, the, the domain of men right now. From my perspective, I encourage women to get involved in IT because they add a, a new value proposition that men can't. Um, sure. So w- what is your advice for budding um, women loving IT and wanting to get into the space? Sure. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, I do, I'm a custodian, I like that. Um, I do, I would say I champion that for sure. I think, would I like a world where we lived in a complete and utter meritocracy? Absolutely. Um, is that the, is that the utopia? Yes. So, however, it's not. Um, and so I feel like sometimes it's not, the difficulty isn't getting into it. Um, there's a lot of, I think, places, university, and there, as far as, you know, going down to that level, um, university, and then also, you know, there's meetups, and there's, you know, user groups, there's all that kind of thing. There are um, organizations that exist that um, welcome and encourage women. I think that um, the, the piece that, that I hear a lot is about the staying in, in it, and um, that it's a struggle to stay in IT. Sometimes it's a struggle to stay in that um, major in school for various and sundry reasons. So, and and I also feel like there's <clears throat> some things that are you know I, that we talk about, and that like there's the you know the imposter theory that that women will tend to um, you know if they're asked there's there's eight things in a, in a job description, and they're like oh you know six of them yes, but two of them no they will say, you know, that's maybe not the right fit for me, or I, I don't know that, or I, they will just say, I don't know that, that is not my wheelhouse, where men tend to be like, yeah, I got this, totally, you know, um, and so, and it's, and it's just a, just a difference in sort of way people are, are brought up, and that sort of thing, so I feel like one of the things that I always did with, you know, all of that stuff I talked about in the beginning of my career, I literally, I just said yes. I, I, for whatever reason, I'm fairly fearless. And so I, you know, I always was like, I have no idea what this is, what it means, what I'm doing, whatever. And I just, but I always said yes, because I don't, that's just, I don't know, it's just who I am, right? So um, I feel like that there is a lot of like saying yes, that, that we as women should do more of, and figure it out on the way, you know, like most people, like half the time, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they just, you know, you just kind of, they figure it out. So I feel like, you know, like, don't let that imposter theory set you back. I mean, there, I remember some friends and dear friends sent to me, you know, I said one time I was talking about introducing myself and I was like, yeah, I was, I said, I was just a theater major. And my friend was like, what are you, what are you, 
talking about? And I was like, what, what? And they're like, you, do you know what you said? And I said, no, what did I say? I said, you're just a theater major. And I was like, did I say that? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I use my theater major every day. You know what theater is about? Empathy. You know what empathy is about? Understanding people. You know what selling stuff is about? Understanding people. Yeah. Right? So like me and marketing and sales and all of that, like the fact that I can like read a person in about three seconds and get them, that's a huge asset that a lot of people don't have, you know? So I feel like there's tons of places to go for women as far as, you know, there, we, it, it exists, women in tech. Um, there's changes that are happening with that. I think the world is, is looking at women, yes, as, as a place where you can go and find women in drones, women in aviation, women in XYZ. Also though, there's a lot of, like Microsoft has shifted its language to diversity and inclusion in tech. So that's, so you'll see that a lot more. That's going to be happening at places like Ignite. Like last year, there was an amazing program um, that Donna Sakar put on uh, with Cindy um, Timmons and they're doing those things again. So Microsoft is champion, championing those things. Uh, you know, IBM and, and other larger companies are opening up what they're doing and how they're doing it. And that's really exciting. And, you know, but the, when people come at me and say, you know, I don't like that or we don't need it or this and that, and I, I say two things to them. One is yesterday was equal pay day, um, which first of all, I didn't even realize there was an equal pay day until yesterday when I saw it all over Twitter. I was like, what the heck is that? Which I thought it was funny that I didn't actually know that. And that if yesterday, basically uh, across, and this was in Fortune magazine, so I'm quoting Fortune off, but it's that if I was to make, or someone was to make as much money as a man equally, I would have had to work all of 2017 and until yesterday to make the same amount. And that's, you know, and that was sort of by, by um, race, by sort of where you are in the community. And then it went around to like August was for women of color. So black women, it would have been August of this year. And then for Latina women, it would have been in like November. So like that kind of thing is why I believe we have these organizations that are women in X, women of that. And, and also kind of in the United States to, to be, to put a point on some history, you know, the equal rights amendment is still not ratified in the United States. So women are not in our constitution. Um, hundred years ago, yes, you know, we got the right to vote, but we still are not mentioned in our own constitution and that piece of legislation isn't ratified. So to me, the reason we have these things is to, you know, raise each other up, to educate, to create great relationships with men as allies. It's to me, I don't like, you know, the exclusionary stuff. I, I feel like to me, again, I would love a meritocracy at the end of the day where we're all just Sorry, in our marriage. What is, what is that to say that word again? Meritocracy. Meritocracy. It's, I'm you know, it's as well read as you are. So. <laughs> well, it's just that, that where you're judged on your merit, you know, oh, what you, okay, merit, okay, gotcha. meritocracy, yeah, you know, that, you know, that, and, and humanism, you know, where we all respect each other as humans and, um, and that we're judged on our merits. So that's where I, I, that's where I try to push things to go and what I believe in. And, um, but yeah, I, I, and, you know, anyone out there that, you know, uh, women, men, otherwise, you know, there, there's great, oh, we're having a great, I got to put together uh, an entire program session um, on diversity and inclusion for the SharePoint Conference North America 
coming up in May and we're announcing all of that this week. And so we literally have 18, I think it's 18, 14 sessions that are all, there's men and women and um, the uh, diverse uh, speakers um, that go head to head with the other technical sessions. Uh, Bill Bear said yes to me when I was like, I want to do something and I want a room and I want this and that. And he said, sure. And I was like, okay. So um, that's really exciting. And that sort of comes from what the great things that happened at Ignite and the SharePoint TechCon folks always letting us do a women in technology lunch from women in SharePoint that Kathy do and Lori Gowan and Jennifer Mason, like lots of, we always stand on the shoulders of people that came before us in every way, you know, not just sort of women, but you know, on everything that we do. And so there's been a lot of really great community um, support around this um, by men and, and the great, you know, women and men in our lives. And so I, I'm always very appreciative when people say yes, because I try and do that as much as I can. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and feel free to contact me and ask me anything. I'm always happy to chat with folks about how to start things or, or what you can do and all of that. So always happy to have those conversations. So. All right. So how can people find you on the interwebs on the Twitter writings? Um, I'm at, uh, I have an, a nickname that came from a Czechoslovakian director that couldn't pronounce my name, Heather. And so he called me Heather and it's stuck. So it's Hedda Newman, H-E-D-D-A Newman. That's my um, Twitter handle and it's my Instagram. It's my handle for everything pretty much across because that is a good thing to do with your brand is make it the same across everything by the by. And then I also have Creative Mavens with an S, um, creativemaven.com, contentpanda.com. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Or running around the world. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. Um, yeah. It's great having you on the show finally. Um, we've been procrastinating about this for about four months now. Or longer. I know. Um, <laughs> I think it's almost a year since um, I've been in LA. So it was supposed to happen then already. Yeah, that's true, right? We have been procrastinating. Goodness, we've been busy, you know. I've been, yeah. Anyhow, thank you for your time, and I'll chat to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show, Heather. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and we apologize up front for the length of the interview because I had no control over how much she said. I think it was awesome. Sweet. Then we're going to run very quickly through the rest of the stuff and maybe get a shortish episode out of this week. We'll see. In the news. Cool. So very quickly off the bat, I'll go through a tiny little bit of Power Apps and Flow news. I won't bore you to sleep, Al. I promise they'll be very quick. First up, um, in Power Apps now, you can copy paste controls between your different apps, which is so I have a problem. Phenomenal. I will now start looking at the show notes in the morning and not allow you to update it, because this is sneaky. So for everyone out there, we have show notes where we capture all the latest news and all of that. And we're very lazy, we capture it late. So Rod will go and says, I've done show notes, so that he can feel like he's uh, contributing to society and to the show. And for the last 10 episodes, you'll do show notes, and I'll go, great, I'll look at a little bit of mine, but I never put mine in an hour or two before the show. 
And then he sneaks in all these power up and flow things, like last week's show notes. I mean, when I would so love to take screenshots of these things. You know, um, he's got to go with the flow se- section where he can talk about these things. But no, he sticks these things about power apps and flow in the news. Well, it's new news. All right, carry on. Yeah, so that's it. It just it makes um, reusing your previously built capabilities a, a lot easier. You don't have to rebuild it every time. You can copy paste between different canvases, which is super cool. And then. A little bit of sort of flow news, not really. The documentation for flow on docs.microsoft.com forward slash flow has had a little bit of a shakeup. So they've got quite a cool new thing now where the documents are broken into three different buckets. So you can click on I'm a beginner, I'm intermediate, or I'm an expert, and you can get the different layers of documentation in there. So that's quite handy and I thought I think it looks quite cool. So I just wanted to make everybody aware of that. And that's the end of my Power Apps and Flow news, Al. It's not so bad, hey? I'm, I'm not going to look at the show notes anymore. Yeah, like you do anyway. Well, dude, I added a section and I do... I'm actually just going to not speak anymore. Carry on. Let's move on to the next seg- part of your news segment. I'll, I'll wake you up when we get to your news. Um, next up, another cool, uh, cool thing. You'll actually, I think, quite enjoy this. There's a new functionality coming in Planner that's rolling out to first release now, apparently, um, to view Planner tasks in Outlook. So you can have your Planner tasks come through to your Outlook calendar, which is quite cool, right? Um, so the it way you... Neato, yeah. It's a little bit weird how you do it. So as the owner of the plan, you can publish the plan uh, to iCalendar, and then Outlook has the functionality to import an iCalendar. And then that's how it sort of syncs it up. Well, that is quite neat, actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That'll be very handy for me. And then some SharePoint news on two guys in SharePoint. Can you cope? Would have thought. Right. So there's a big news update coming to SharePoint Online that's supposed to be rolling out now-ish as well. So it's a whole bunch of updates for the news stream, right? And that does a bunch of stuff for us. So... There'll be a button where you can create news from the SharePoint home rather than on the individual sites. There'll be an update in Teams where you can add uh, pages and news as tabs, sort of just supported. So you go to tabs and you say add SharePoint rather than yeah, but that's, add, a, but that's, add a web page and then put in the URL and then it does yeah, we've that. Been, we've been waiting for that SharePoint button. Although, strangely enough, it varies from tenant to tenant. Um, when it comes to what you can, well, not from tenant to tenant. I don't know what Teams version. I, I have a, I'm probably running a later Teams version than other people. Um, entirely possible. Yeah. But yeah, it would be nice to have that SharePoint button um, where you're not, where it doesn't point to a document library. Yeah. And it's not just an iframe, right? And from the screenshots, it looks really cool. Like you put in a communication site and all the news sites and stuff. So that's really awesome. You can also post all the news to Teams automatically. So for a site, you can say, cool, this is the team. And whenever new new news articles are published, it'll uh, start a conversation in the team where people can comment on it. You can also create and send news digests via email. So you can go to the news site, say select all, or like view all, and then select a few or select them all. 
click send. Well, put in who you're sending it to and click send. And it sends them quite a nice looking email by the look of it yeah. where uh, you get the preview and a little uh, image neat. thing. And it looks, it looks quite cool. Um, and then there's apparently also going to be some uh, metrics that you can gather out of it as well. So you can measure impact and engagement. Um, I'm assuming that sort of you'll see the number of times it's been viewed and the yeah. comments and that sort of stuff. So also, that's, yeah. One that you did miss is that the original SharePoint newsfeed has been retired. Oh, has it? The little yes. news. Uh, the original newsfeed thing. Yeah. yeah. It's gone. They pulled it finally. They should have pulled it when they launched Yammer. Yeah. Um, and the way they do news in SharePoint Online now is just infinitely better. It's so cool. It's really, really nice. No, no, it is, it is. So anything else from your side, Mr. Modley? That's all the news I've got this week, Al. I think we, we have, I've got, yeah, maybe equal amounts of news. So from my side, because Rod will uh, start hitting me over the head and cutting bits out of the show, I'm going to run through my bit of news, my contribution as co-host of the show. Um, you contribute lots. Stop fishing for compliments. I, I don't need compliments, Modlin. Um, so anyhow, coming back to my part of the show, the most important part of the show, e-discovery exports um, inside of the Security and Compliance Center. So Microsoft has been doing quite a bit in the Security and Compliance Center space. Last week we spoke about uh, unified labeling in Azure, information protection, and they've been adding to that. So they're modernizing the old exchange type stuff that had that really bad interface. I mean, we know that the Skype for Business and Teams uh, center is running out, the admin center, and also they are really spending a lot of time investing in what is happening behind the scenes inside of Office 365. So e-discovery, you know, you can do a search for something and it comes back with information. Now, a lot of times you have auditors that come into your organization and they're looking for things, right? And you will generally run a, yeah. some form of e-discovery. You can now actually run that and you can export all the content to a zip file. That's awesome. I know it doesn't mean much to you, like Flow and Power Apps doesn't mean much to me, but yes. No, that is like that is proper cool because when you get audited and whatever, you need to hand over all the information. Yeah, yeah. So being able to do it more or less at a click of a button is really, really sweet. Yeah. And then moving on to uh, one of my favorite apps of all time from Microsoft to Microsoft Teams. So I'm going to run through the update for April. I think it's the April update in Teams. So there's quite a few new features. So when we start talking about interoperability between Skype and Teams, naturally when you're sitting in Teams, you want to see your contacts like you see it in Skype inside of Teams. That's Now you have the ability to import your Skype for Business contacts into Microsoft Teams. There's also unified presence between Teams and Skype for Business. So you can sit in Teams and you can see someone that's sitting in Skype for Business. There's better interoperability between Microsoft Teams and Skype for Business. Remember, Skype for Business and Teams, two totally different sets of infrastructure. Yeah. So people need to understand that. I mean, yes, Teams, the experience is not yet at the same feature fidelity that you have inside of Skype from an intelligent communications or a unified comms perspective, but bear in mind it is better kit. So once they fix the glue between the two, um, Teams will definitely is already outperforming uh, the infrastructure side of Skype because it's brand new kit. Next up, uh, out of office messages and improved notifications for calls inside of Teams. 
um, which is quite neat. Uh, we also spoke about retention policies for the entire team, so the ability to set that, and then also for your system center people out there that want to control what gets deployed to their managed desktops in the organization, there is now an MSI for Microsoft Teams, and you can split that out. That is super cool. Um, there was one other thing. Yeah, the image. Yeah. No go. No, I'm, I'm just on on all the stuff. It's really cool seeing Teams taking over a lot of that Skype functionality. I'm looking forward not to have to have Skype for Business open and just run everything through Teams. That'll be cool. Um, and the MSI is a big deal, right? So you can automate that rollout much easier. Yeah, what's also quite nice. Um, and this is where the universal debate is happening right now around Teams and um, compliance. So, you know when you do a Teams chat, right, or a Teams call, or one-on-one call? Yeah. All right. So, if I initiate the call, right, um, that audio should sit in my exchange mailbox hidden somewhere. You'd think so. Yeah. So, what happens when you're part of a chat, right? Okay. Yeah. And they and, and there's a hold now added to the chat because my information of my chat is not stored in my tenant because you initiated it. So when I'm doing e-discovery to make sure that my employees are functionally not breaking some sort of regulatory compliance statute that's out there, I cannot sniff that call from an e-discovery perspective because it's not sitting with me. That's super interesting, yeah. So what so you'd need to do, though. yeah, you, you'd need to have it saved on both sides. Correct. I suppose for now, what you tell your employees is when you're doing these, you're the one who initiates the call. What if you have two companies that say the same thing? <laughs> then the CEOs can get together in a room and arm wrestle for it. Yeah, so what you're going to have to do is whoever initiates the call will record it and have to give you a copy of it. Yeah. And then you can e-discover what you want. And that's my bit of news for the week. That's super cool, man. Awesome. We got through the news uh, fairly quickly. We still, nice. had, we still had 13 minutes, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Qu- quickly is relative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we work on Microsoft time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So then we're into our features. My feature. My feature. Not features. My feature. New features I didn't know about of the week so it's not a feature it's a device i don't i'm sure i've spoken about this and i'm very excited about this and i still think it's an awesome device especially in the space that we're living in right now where unified comms is the bee's knees right so um, moving into how to conduct meetings right because everyone by the year 2020 apparently 82 percent of the u.s workforce will be working from home some crazy stat like that and uh, we've had the same problem with finding decent devices to record audio and or video as well as listen to audio and or video yeah so the plantronics uc8200 with active noise cancelling and laser mics if you want a device that gives you the best of everything all right, I know people complain about the noise cancelling on these UCs, but that's mainly for gaming. Um, but the UC8200s are the best of breed headsets out there. And uh, D- Daryl, 
Um, uses it quite extensively, pretty much all the time. Audio quality is superb. He's used it on the Office 365 message center the week that was repeatedly. And I am in love with them. So if you want an all-round decent quality headset for not only listening to great audio, but also being able to use it as a, a meetings headset, it's the only thing you need to get. And that's my feature for the week. Cool. Yeah, it does look like a really sweet piece of kit, hey? It comes in two colors, um, black and cream, I think. Cool. Nice. Okay, then my feature this week, my uh, segment this week in Go With The Flow, is uh, I want to talk a little bit about the approvals connector, because I don't know if you've used the built-in flow approvals recently, but it's really slick. It's super cool. So using the approval action, you can. the only action is start an approval and you give it a title and a description and you tell it who it's going to. Um, and you can choose whether everybody in that group must approve it or only one person. So you can do parallel approvals or first come, right? And then once you set off that approval, then your flow will wait until it gets the responses it requires, approve, reject, whatever. And then you can do a condition based off of that to, to carry on your flow. Once you've sent that approval, the person or people that you um, set the approval to get an email, first of all, where they can approve it in the email. They get a button and they can just click it and it approves it. They don't need to go to any website if they want to do it just in, uh, in Outlook. They can do that, which is cool. It is also available in on flow.microsoft.com you can go and you get a list of all your approvals and it's also available in teams so there's a the flow add-in for teams will give you a page inside of your teams where it'll list your approvals and you can do it in there as well so you start off the one approval action and there are many different ways to get in at approving it and one and the other cool thing about it is the person approving whatever the item is doesn't necessarily have to have rights to that item you can kick off this flow of a document library send the approval to somebody who's not in the document library well i suppose it'd be a list item really if it's a document you'd want them to see it but if it's a list item you can give them all the details that they need to decide whether or not they're approving it in the details um, of the approval and they don't ever need to go to the item itself and check it out because you can give them the information they don't have to have rights at all and they can approve it through and it's really quite slick. It's a nice way to sort of deal with that. That was a minute and 23 seconds that you just hijacked, mate. It's not hijacked if it's in the show notes. <laughs> I have actually used that approval, strangely enough. The one time I built fairly a complex workflow um, in Flow, um, yeah. I actually used those approvals. Slick as, yeah. Yeah, they're doing that really nicely. I hope they get a bunch more of that sort of stuff going. Very Look, cool. I, I think for the most part, what people don't realize is that when Microsoft builds something in a specific product, yes, Microsoft works with a lot on the glue between applications. So while they're figuring that out, you might have a function that doesn't work 100% well because they're still busy with the glue. Like when they rolled out hub sites, the PowerShell yeah. commandlet was there, but the other bits wasn't. So just give it a little bit of time and it will get there. But anyhow, is that you done for that a little is, bit? That is me done, yeah. All right. 
Take us out. Take us out, Mr. Bobby. Cool. Thank you all very much for joining us this week. If you would like to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and L is... At Alistair Pugin. You can also find us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice by searching Two Guys and SharePoint, all one word. We're not on Spotify. So for the guy that asked us to listen, well, he asked to listen to us on Spotify, that means we have to go to another service provider, pull in our SoundCloud subscription, and then pay for that to go into Spotify. We are thinking about it, but right now, open up SoundCloud. Or yep. iTunes, or Stitcher, or Pocketcast, or your... Well, there are a few that we're missing um, that we still need to add, but that's a offline conversation. But anyhow, I'm done. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. Cheers. Hello. I'm talking about. I cannot hear you. You can't hear me. No, you must be able to hear me. This is not me. I'm still recording. Okay, so I'm fine. That's fine. All right. Can you hear me now? I can. All right. Stop fiddling with the stuff on the screen. Just don't touch it.